Amen. All right. You guys can get out your Bibles. Thanks, Craig. You were the man. I tell him that all the time. Maybe he'll start believing it. I don't know. I believe it. Um, we are pretty excited, but we, we've been talking about going through this, uh, this, this study, this venture through Proverbs. And um, obviously, when you start thinking about the book of Proverbs, uh, the, probably the first word that comes to your mind is, is wisdom. And wisdom is such a key component of maturity in the faith, of growing into a mature believer and that's what we, just, we, we think it's important to just dive in to the idea of wisdom because we, we, we have a tendency to get to a place where we, we want to get it. We want to understand. And if you've lived long enough on this earth, <laughs> you, you get to a time and to a place where you're like, there's certain things you just don't get. I just don't get it. You know, you ever, you, ever, you ever said that? You, know, you look at things or you hear things and you're just like, I just don't get that. This doesn't make sense. Um, do people who spend $2 a piece on those little bottles of Evian water know that spelling it backwards is naive? I don't know if they get that. Why is there expiration date on sour cream? Doesn't it start out soured? Okay, hopefully you're getting this. Because we all want to get it. If you try to fail and succeed, what have you really done? That make sense? Thank you. A little chuckle down here. If one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the rest have to drown too? Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Keep, follow with me here. Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavoring and dishwashing liquid made with real lemons? Can an atheist get insurance for acts of God? Why did kamikaze pilots have to wear helmets? Can we cry underwater? You ever thought about that? How important does a person have to be before he's considered assassinated instead of just murdered? Some things I've thought about. You know, I just don't get this stuff. If money doesn't grow on trees, then why do banks have branches? Okay, this drives me crazy, all right? Since bread is square, then why is sandwich meat round? And shouldn't Wendy's have square buns if their meat is square? Let's not get carried away talking about pizza that comes in a square box. Like, I'm really seeking wisdom here to understand some of these things. (laughs) What disease did cured ham actually have? Why do people pay to go up to tall buildings and put money in the binoculars to look at things on the ground? Do illiterate people really get the full effect of alphabet soup? I'm just here to say, I don't think they do. Who? Okay, I'm skipping that one. Talk to me later about that one. Okay, if Jimmy cracks corn and no one cares, then why is there a stupid song about him? If Wiley Coyote had enough money to buy all that Acme stuff, why didn't he just buy dinner? See, I got a little, that's a good question. See, there's some things that I just want to get. Isn't it a bit unnerving that doctors call what they do practice? 
I don't know. Why do people say the alarm just went off when it really came on? Here's a good one. When cheese gets its picture taken, does it say me? Some questions we have here. How can we choose from just two people from the president and 50 from Miss America? There's no amen in that right there. God, I really think that we, need, we, got, we got some wisdom that we need. There's questions out there that we have. There's times we're like, I just don't get that. Now, that made probably four of you laugh, so um, maybe um, not all of us got a nap today. Um, apparently, what we really need to do right now is pray, and then we're going to dive to the beginning part of Proverbs and uh, maybe pull out some understanding in God's amazing word. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts. God, I pray that you'd give us the gift of understanding, Lord, as we venture these next few weeks to just, we want to get it. We want to understand, God, and we can joke and we can laugh about silly questions, Lord, but, but God, there's serious questions that we have about faith, about life, about things that really matter, Lord, and we want to have understanding, God. So we come before you now knowing, Lord, that the beginning of wisdom, not just is the fear of the Lord, but God, wisdom starts in our hearts when we ask you for it, Lord. So we ask that you give us wisdom, depth of insight, and understanding, God, because we want to get it. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for hearing our prayers. God, teach us through your word, and we pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7 is what we'll look at tonight. Um, Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so real quick, let me just unpack a little bit. For Most of us in here know who Solomon is. Solomon was David and Bathsheba's son. He was the third and last king of the United Kingdom of Israel. Okay? Now, here's a question for you. I'm probably going to ask a good bit of questions tonight. If you could have one wish, and the person who you were wishing to could actually give you that wish. One wish. What would it be? Have you ever thought about that? You know, the, you've seen Aladdin enough. You've seen the, 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 the stories enough about the genie. When, and you've thought about those three wishes. You know, can I ask for more wishes? That kind of thing. Can, like, what would you really wish for? Well, it's interesting that, in a sense, that's kind of what Solomon got. In First King, the verses will come up. First Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 14, it says this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what? I shall give you, okay? And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him from this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this great people. That's a good thing to request. Solomon said, I want to be able to understand. Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life of riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. 
One of the things that I pray for for our kids um, is that they would be wise, that they would see the right thing and do the right thing. So God said, behold, I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Hey, that's a pretty good deal, wouldn't you say? So Solomon had this opportunity. God comes to him in a dream and says, name it. Name it, buddy. You got it. Well, I mean, if that were, okay, so tonight, if you went to sleep, and God came to you in your dream tonight and said, name it, what would you really want? Because if you were to search the desires of your heart, they might deceive you a little bit, And they would cripple your understanding of what you really need. And you might not sit before the Lord and say, you know what, God? I just want to understand. You know, our our fickle hearts would probably ask for something else. We have desires that we, we we, we probably don't have understanding at the top of the list. But Solomon, I believe, had wisdom before the dream to ask for wisdom. And he got a pretty good deal. You know what? It happened, too. God not only said, you know what, I'm going to make you wise and understanding, and I'm going to hook you up with some riches. But look, keep going. Uh, Maybe flip over to 1 Kings chapter 10. If you're in your Bible, it's going to come up. Uh, Now when the queen of Sheba, she's a queen from the south, she heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. I tested you earlier with some really hard questions. So this queen from the south came up to test Solomon. She came to Jerusalem with uh, with, with a great retinue with camels bearing spices, and very much gold and precious stone. When she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind, and Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, uh, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he had offered in the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. So all that he understood, and all that he had, this queen, a monarch, she was taken back. She was blown away. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. Wouldn't it be great that people heard about your wisdom? Hey, I know a guy that goes to church with me. Man, he is so wise. Maybe they don't say that about you. Maybe they say something else about your, something, some other skill or some other possession you have. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told of me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report I heard. Happy are men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who is delighted in you, set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Is it possible to just get it? Is it possible to understand? Because here's what happens. Sometimes we we have hard questions that come to us, and sometimes understanding fleets us, and so what we do is we just don't, we don't ask hard questions. We don't really try to understand. We just say things like, I just don't get it, and walk away from it. Who are the people in your life that you know that when you can describe them, you say, man, they really just, they just get it. You ever heard somebody explain someone else like that? You have a friend that they're like, man, that guy's sharp. 
He gets it. And he's only, and they say like an age, it's really young, like, wow. Don't you want to get it? Like, like this morning when we sang that song, we saw that video. Like we live in a crippled, sometimes just disgusting world that, that's around us all the time. And sometimes we just want to cry out, God, I don't, I don't get it, Lord. I, don't, I just don't get it. But maybe us getting it is not too far out of reach. And Solomon teaches us that lesson. That, that God looks at his people and says, I want you to get it. So many times you hear people say stuff like, don't ask God that or don't ask God why. I don't understand that. Why can't you ask God hard questions? He's a big boy. He can take it. What if you ask questions and you get understanding? What if you have hard questions that you don't understand and you search the scriptures and you search the heart of God and the mind of God and it's illuminated to you? Understanding. God wants us to get it. He wants us to understand and that's why we've called this series Wisdom's Call. In Proverbs chapter 8, says this. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads, she stay, takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. Solomon is explaining wisdom and, and, and painting a picture of wisdom like it's a, it's, a, it's a lady who's standing in the streets looking at everybody passing by and raising her voice and saying, does anybody get it? Does anybody understand? Anybody out there? You, sir, do you understand? Ma'am, do you understand? Do you get it? Anybody? Does anybody have understanding? Anybody have wisdom? And we want to be the type of person who's following close with our God. We're in the midst of when wisdom cries out in, in the busy, hustle and bustle streets of our world. The world is a ghetto in which we live, and we want to be the one in the midst of wisdom's call. Wisdom cries out to us. We want to raise our hand, and we want to say, I want to venture to say that I get it. So how do you get to the place in your life where you get it, where you have understanding? Well, I think God in his grace points us back to his word. He shows us. He shows us how we can get it, how we can answer wisdom's call. Let's go back to our main text, Proverbs chapter 1. Pick up in verse 2. There's a lot of words in these verses. There's a lot of good words to just kind of, if you want to make a little line under your Bible, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. That's a good verse. To know, to understand. Do you want to know? Do you want to understand? Do you want to know wisdom and instruction? Do you want to understand words of insight? To receive, verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, in justice, and equity. Don't you want that to be true of you? That you know, that you understand, that you receive. Verse 4, to give prudence. Prudence is a good word for us to think about. Just You know, that's just wisdom in practical affairs. That's a good way to think about prudence. You know, street smarts, common sense. That's part of wisdom. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge, discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. Riddles. Sayings. Instruction. Understanding. Understanding. 
We want to be people who are in the streets when wisdom raises her voice. And the instruction and the, the words, the riddles are laid out before us. And we can look at that and we can say, I understand that. We want to be the type of person that when we open our Bibles and we start reading, that wisdom comes in besides us and says, this is what this means. So many times we, we've resigned wisdom off to her room in, our, in the home of our lives. And she's in there still crying out, who understands, who gets it? And we've tried to fish through the scriptures and try to pick it apart. We just don't get it. We close the Bible and we don't read the Bible. And it's been, how long has it been since you've read the Bible, since you've sat down with it, you've opened it and said, all right, God, I'm going to reach up and grab heaven. I'm going to read these words. I I pray, God, that the, the dark letters on these pages would just climb off these pages and they would just invest themselves into my mind, into my heart, God. Give me wisdom, insight, understanding to know your words, to understand the instructions. And wisdom in her room is listening to you pray those things, and she's like, good, hey, somebody's about to get it. Do you understand a proverb of saying the words of the wise and their riddles? Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and their instruction. See, God wants us to gain understanding. He wants you to live your life getting it. The Bible, the way the world works and and fits together, and you have this understanding. You know, I get it. You want to be the type of person that just at the end of the day, they're not too frazzled and and wound up at the things going on around them because you have an a deep spiritual understanding, wisdom. I want, I want to be wise. I have to confess something to you. By far and large, what I've prayed for the most, by way long shot, is I've asked God for wisdom. And I realize how simple and feeble-minded I am. I realize, like, like I, can't, I don't even know how to come in and go in and come out. And, and so, I mean, literally, anytime someone calls me or text, like if you text me and say, hey, can you call me in a little bit? I got a question for you. Like, literally, I say, God, I don't know what to say to them. You got to give me wisdom. So, and I pray for our kids to have wisdom. Like, I don't know anything. I'm an absolute buffoon, moron, doofus, fill in the blanks. Please don't say amen right now because you might hurt my feelings. But one of the things that I understand is that God is gracious in giving out wisdom. And I realized that at a young age, and I raised my hand. Hey, hey, lady, hey, lady calling in the street. Hey, wisdom, can you help me out here? Because I want understanding. I want to know. God wants his people to gain understanding. True wisdom, biblical, spiritual wisdom. True wisdom from the Bible is not, if you want to write these down, if you've got a little margin in your Bible, you can write this. Wisdom is not a product of education. It's not. I know some people who are highly, highly educated, and they are far from wise. You know people like that. I mean, they read a book and they memorize it. They have degrees upon degrees, but they're not wise. True wisdom, biblical wisdom, is not a product of knowledge. 
I know people who are so smart, don't necessarily have education, don't necessarily have degrees all attached to the back of their names. Somebody said one time degrees attached to the back of your name is like a pig's tail. It's just curly Q there. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. A product of knowledge doesn't necessarily mean wisdom. Biblical wisdom is not necessarily a product of common sense. Now, that kind of makes more sense to us because most of us in here are like, well, I don't really feel like I'm educated and very smart, but yeah, I might have some street smarts. I might, be, I might have some common sense. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's spiritual, biblical wisdom in your life. True wisdom is not necessarily a product of status. You would think that people in prominent positions would essentially be wise but we all know, we've all seen them enough, we've been around people enough who are of a higher status and they're in a position of authority or power that they don't, they're not really wise. Now, another thing we have to understand, biblical wisdom is not necessarily a product of age. And I know a lot of people say, well, you can tell if someone's wise, look at their hair. I have to admit, I've been uh, in the ministry a long time. 15 years I've been in the ministry, and I've met some amazing, biblically wise people who are very high up in age, and it's almost like they're just kind of floating around with a halo, and they pray and reach up and grab heaven. But I've met people who've been in churches, even positions of leadership in churches, not this one, um, up in age, and they are not wise. They will say things and do things that are it's very unwise. So... What is true biblical wisdom? That's what we want, right? As she's standing calling for us with her door open, say, anybody out there, please just come in and let's have a talk. The Proverbs, as we go through this series, is full. It's just full of comparing the fool and the wise. And we'll hear, you'll hear this language a lot, the folly or the, or the successful venture of the wise. And so there's a lot of comparisons in that. The formula that I think is at the very root, at the very beginning of true wisdom, of understanding, of knowledge, of getting it like you want to get it, of grasping it, and God gives us that. The first part, the fear of the Lord. That's why Solomon penned this. That's why God has given us this this formula, the beginning of wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. Now listen to me. I know what you're doing. You're thinking about fear of the Lord. And a lot of people in here, because you're wise, and I salute you, and I commend you, and I want to be like you when I grow up, you understand the fear of the Lord. But sometimes that's a phrase that sometimes kind of is elusive to us. We don't really understand what it means to, to have the fear of the Lord or the fear of the Lord. Terror in frightening situations. That's one aspect of what we understand of fear, right? In a frightening situation. Now, we have in our culture just tons of phobias that we've put together because there are things that terrify people, whether it's flying, public speaking, heights, the dark. People have a fear of intimacy. People have a fear of dying. People have a fear of failure. People have a fear of rejection. Crippling fears, and these are true for some people. Maybe for some of you, spiders. People have a fear of commitment. There's actually a fear of flowers. People have a fear of dogs. Now, I've been bitten by my fair share of dogs, but I'm not afraid of them. People have a fear of dentists. It's in your mind. You hear the... It's just, 
needles, snakes. People have a fear of water. People have a fear of clowns, germs. People are germaphobes. There's all kind of fear that when we understand the word fear, a lot of us kind of turns to this idea of, this, of there's, there's something terrifying that we're afraid of. Now, that's kind of part of this word fear that we see in, in the Scripture here. Deuteronomy chapter 2.25, listen to this. This is good. Um, God says, this day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heavens, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. So this is God saying to his people, I'm going to make them all terrified of you. That's fear. That's something crippling and terrifying. That's like spider yikes kind of fear. Like you just can't talk and, you know, you, 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 you sweat when you think about going, going to the dentist. That terror, okay? That's part of this understanding of fear when you talk about the fear of the Lord. Next thing is in this word fear of the Lord is, is this idea of reverence, of, of respect. In the, in the way that a servant would fear his master and serve him faithfully. In a way that a, a knight would go charging into the battle knowing he's probably going to die, but his king whom he serves, whom he loves, whom he fears, has commanded him to go into this dangerous situation. He's probably going to get his head lopped off, but he knows that he's going to charge into the battle because of respect. Joshua chapter 24, 14. Listen to this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. That's part of this idea of understanding of fear. You have this, this idea of just something fearful, terrifying, and you have this idea of just this, this deep respect. You fear someone and you want to serve them out of respect. Fear can also denote the reverence or awe of a person that a person feels in the presence of greatness. If you're a, a whatever sports fan and, and the, the greatest athlete in the sport that you love the most, if they showed up in the restaurant that you were eating in, or if you got a chance to meet them, you probably wouldn't go up to me like, yo, what's up, dude? It's good to see you, man. Think a lot about you. I'm going to go have my nachos now. Like, you'd be like, okay, what do I say? Like, why do I, like, I'm in the same room with him right now. I don't know what to do. You know, they get it all the time. It happens to them all the time. And they're thinking, yeah, I see you trembling over there. Just come on, 30 minutes from now, work up the courage to go. You're, you're really so-and-so, aren't you? Yes, I really am. Yes, I know my name. That's me. That's, there's fear there. And if you've ever met someone who's important or somebody who you look up to, you have a hard time kind of being in the same room with them, being near them, and you work up the courage to go up to them and say, and you look weird and awkward. That's part of this fear of the Lord. That's part of it, too. There's this idea of this, this terrifying, crippling situation, whether it's spiders or needles, this idea of res respect because you fear someone over an authority over you, over you, and this awe of someone you're in the presence, they're great. You don't really know how to deal with them being near you. Isaiah chapter 6. And I said, this is when Isaiah had the vision of the Lord. He said, woe is me, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The fear of the Lord is a combination of all three of these. Of all three of these. 
something that bends us towards just terror, but at the same time, out of love and respect for our king, we want to be loyal and obedient. And then when we're in the presence of greatness, we tremble. We don't know how to act because there's something near us that we just can't hardly grab a hold of, explain, understand. Solomon understood that the beginning of wisdom is this idea of this crippling, life-changing, life-wrecking, life-altering fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything that we say, everything that we think, and everything that we do. And that's true. That a good God, that a loving God, full of justice and holiness and wrath and grace and mercy, full of all those things at once, He is watching every move you make. Every decision you make regarding yourself, regarding everything about your life, your family, that causes us to grab a hold of this idea of the fear of the Lord and embrace it. Jeremiah 12, 3, But you, O Lord, you know me. You see me. You test my heart towards you. Those who fear the Lord, they understand this idea of being in the presence of greatness knowing that the full glory of God, if it were to 100% open up before you, you know that it would be terrifying. That you would disintegrate because the magnitude of the weight, you couldn't take it. Those who understand the fear of the Lord, those who fear the Lord, they have a continual awareness of Him. A continual awareness of the presence of God. Those who fear the Lord, that's something that marks their life. That tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you can't really get too far into your morning without realizing, hey, you know what? God's pretty close. <laughs> it's almost as when, when you wake up, He's standing over you when your eyes peep open, and He's right there. You're like, hold, like, I can't get away from you, Lord. Like, everywhere I turn, there you are. Oh, hey, you again. Oh, well, there you are again. And not in the sense that like, oh, great, it's that guy again. You turn, you're like, yeah, everywhere I go, there you are. And the psalmist understood that, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Missed my spot here, hang on. Psalm 139 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. He's basically saying, if I dig down to the deepest, darkest cave and take a nap, God, you're like right there. If I fly to the highest height, you're right there. I can't get away from you. And that's so good. Those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of Him. Those who fear the Lord have a deep reverence of the Lord. You're aware of His presence and you revere that. And you filter everything that you think and everything that you do through the reality that my King, whom I serve, whom I call Lord, is in the room with me right now. And that determines how I act and think and, and what I say and what I do. People who fear the Lord have a sincere commitment to obey Him. In light of the persecution around you socially that you might 
experience. Those who fear the Lord, you know, they, they kind of rise above that and say, I don't have any other choice because Jesus is my master and this is what he wants me to do. I have a deep commitment to obey him through the reality of who he is. And that's just my life. If Jesus wants me to do that, that's what I'm going to do. Hey, man, that's weird. Well, I don't, I don't care what you think is weird because that's who I am. That's my life. I don't really have any other choice. I'm going to obey him because I have this deep fear of him. Those who fear the Lord, and I kind of flip this on its head, those who fear the Lord, they have a cosmic elementary understanding of who God is. That really doesn't make sense. Cosmic elementary understanding of who God is. Those who fear the Lord, listen to me, get this. Those who fear the Lord have caught a glimpse of who God really is. They kind of understand the magnitude of his goodness towards you, of his greatness. They get that. They get a glimpse of that. We cannot possess wisdom if we create, recreate God in our own image. I think there's too many people that do that. They tame God. They tame him into some non-threatening nobody. If we redefine the Lord as a God that makes us feel comfortable, a permissive buddy who exists simply to bless us and give, we what we, what, give us what we want, that's not the fear of the Lord. And that's not the due respect and honor and reverence that he deserves. Those who fear the Lord, listen to this, those who fear the Lord, they have an aftertaste in their soul that propels them to worship. The people who fear the Lord, who understand this, this idea of walking in the fear of the Lord, those are the ones that worship. Understand how great and mighty and holy and majestic God is. And when they come before him and worship, that it, that's just the sweetest thing that they know. They've gotten to a place in life to where they realize that they're, there's something in their life that doesn't measure up and match up with what's going on around in the world. And then they come before God and they worship Him and they have this, this they, they've tasted and they've seen that the Lord is good. And they want to run back to the, the table of worship. And they want to eat more of that and they want more and more of worship in their life. Because they've tasted it. There's this aftertaste in their soul of worship. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I feel like sometimes I'm, I get up and I look, like I don't watch the news much. You know, I feel like sometimes I look around the world. It's, it's going, like, I'm like, I just don't fit in around here. Like this isn't my home. It's like this crazy alien that's walking around that's green sometimes. It's because I've, I've, I've tasted a little bit of, just, just a drop, just a glimpse of who God is. And it just compels my heart to worship. To worship. Those who fear the Lord, they have a faith that recklessly expresses themselves in radical obedience. And they're okay with that. Wisdom doesn't necessarily mean doing things that's safe all the time. Let's think about Esther. This young girl, she risked her life. She did something out there a little bit. Read the story. She goes before the king. In all truth, in reality, she could have had her head taken off. But in reckless faith, and I think in wisdom, she did what she was called to do. She was there for such a time as this, to do that. That reckless 
step of faith that she took. She could have died. That's not very wise to do that. I'm sure there's somebody who said that to her. Don't you think that you should be a little wiser and do something safer? Those who fear the Lord, their faith recklessly expresses himself. The creator of the universe is intimately involved in our every move. We understand that. We're starting to grasp the beginning of that formula, fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord causes us to make every decision based on his approval. Every decision based on his approval. Everything tomorrow. When you wake up in the morning and the presence of God is real in your life. When you start your day and you set out with your armor on your horse to go into the battle that God has called you to go into and you're going to fight for the heart of your king. Everything that makes up who you are. There's this fear of the Lord that's, that's true about you. He's terrifying. He's beautiful and sweet. You revere Him. You love Him. He's near. He's huge. Too, he's too big to be even get close to Him because you, you lose sight of Him if you get too close. And you want to worship that. You want to like be close to that. And you want people to, around you to know that too. And understanding that our God is a God of love. And He's also a God of wrath. That inspires us. Helps us stay away from evil. The fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom, she's still calling in the streets. Anybody out there? People are walking by, looking at her like, what's she yelling at? So this whole series, what we want for the people in our church to slow down a little bit in their lives and to turn, and as wisdom is, woohoo, anybody out there? What we want is for you all to just turn your attention and say, I want to gain understanding. I want, I want insight to be true for me. I want to know instruction. I don't want to be counted among the fools. I want to be counted among the wise. God in His goodness and His kindness and His great grace, He's given us even more of a gift in wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly or the foolishness of what we preached to save those who believe. Paul says this silly foolishness according to the world, the gospel we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly, foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God. I think that's good. It's a good, helpful insight, understanding for us tonight. As wisdom is waving her hands, what she's doing right now for all of us 
is she's calling out, does anybody get it? Does anybody understand? And when some of us turn our attention and we're like, hey, I want to get it. I want to understand. I want to have insight and wisdom. Then what she does is she turns, she points. She points to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, that's the wisdom of God right there. And so what we do is we shuffle around in our busy lives trying to figure out a way to understand and get it. Like, I've got to do this. I've got to understand this. And like, and like so what, well, we have to just push all that off the table. And we just have to narrow our focus on Jesus. Christ is the wisdom of God. Romans chapter 11, Paul says this. Oh, the depths and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, speaking of Jesus, and through him, speaking of Jesus, and to him, speaking of Jesus, are all things. To him, speaking of Jesus, be glory forever. Amen. You want wisdom and understanding in your life? Fight to focus on Jesus. And when you do that, you start focusing your life on Jesus, that's when you start seeing the, the fear of the Lord in your life is starting to be a reality. Like you're not over here trying to figure out all the pieces of getting the fear of the Lord because you want to gain understanding because you don't want to you know, be worked up every day at the news. Like you're not trying to put all these pieces together for your life. No, what you're doing, you're pushing it all out of the way and say, I don't know what to do. I'm simple, Lord. I can't even come in or come out. And then wisdom, as she calls out, she points to Jesus. And you're like, okay. Like I don't know a whole lot, but I know Jesus. I can focus on him. I can look at him. I can run to him. The fear of the Lord. Look, we fear God not because of of what he's capable of doing to us. I think that's where we miss it sometimes. The fear of the Lord. Well, you don't fear God, man? Why are you acting like that? You don't fear God? And we say things like that. We hear things like that because it's like God's capable. He's capable of doing some pretty terrible things to us, which he could. I mean, if he wanted to, he could pull down this whole ceiling and take us all out. But we don't fear God because of what he's capable of doing to us. We fear God because of what he has done for us. Here's your, here's your application for this. Everybody can do this tonight. Everybody can get this tonight. Of all this stuff we've been shuffling through, here's what you need to do. Simple prayer. A sentence. And you can do this tonight. You can do this at the altar. You can do this where you're seated. Just pray, Lord, give me a glimpse of who you are. We said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But you're not going to get the fear of the Lord unless you really understand who Jesus is. There's a prayer for you to pray. I want to encourage you to pray that and mean it. But I also want to encourage you to kind of brace yourself and sit and buckle up. And as the straps of worship and knowledge and understanding embrace you down, as you start pulling forward and praying that God would 
give you a glimpse of who He is. You get a glimpse of who God really is. You're not going to have to try to go out for yourself to apply the fear of the Lord in your life. You got a glimpse of the King. It's just going to happen. You got a glimpse of who Jesus is. The fear of the Lord is going to swell up in that. And years down the road, you're going to be the wisest person in, in, your, in your circle of friends. Why? Because you were like, man, I really got to be wise. I really got to do this. I really got to fear God. No, you just focused on Jesus. You prayed, God, give me just a glimpse of who you are. And he did it. You don't think God's going to answer that question? You don't think he's going to answer that prayer? Lord, give me just a glimpse of who you are. Not today. He's not going to do that. He knows what you need. He knows that you, you need to see him. So for many of you, you've been walking in faith. But there's this door that's cracked and you're peering in right now. And you're about to open the door to go into something you have, you've, you've never known before. And that's a good, that's a good thing. We're going to have a time of invitation, of prayer. We're going to ask God that he would just give us a glimpse of who he is. Don't you want that? Don't you want that for yourself? That you could spend your whole life walking this earth, and if that's all that you left this planet with, I saw who God was. What, what better thing can you think of? What better thing is there? And that's where wisdom comes from. That's where understanding comes from. Insight. Don't you want to get it? Don't you want to walk this life in the hallways of this broken down world that we live in? And just get it? I get it. I understand. Now, you're not rattled at anything. That's because I get it. That's what you, don't you want that? Well, God, he, he's, through wisdom and through Proverbs, he's like, hey, man, I got what you need. Just ask me for it. Get a glimpse of who God is. Let's stand together.